0: God bless the church. You can amen, amen. Y'all let them know how much you appreciate them leading us in worship this morning. Appreciate you guys. And uh, if you got a Bible, you can go ahead and open it in 1 John chapter 2. And as you're opening up your Bibles this morning, I just want you to know I read a fascinating book in one of our snow days uh, the, over the past couple of weeks. And that book was called The Power of Habit. And in this book, Charles Duhigg makes the argument that our life is a sum total of our habits. Think about that for just a moment. Everything that you do really is as a result of the habits that you have developed in life. And he actually argues that there are habit loops in your life and my life. And those loops are involving three things. First of all, there is a cue or a craving. So you have this desire inside for something. And then you actually create out of that cue a routine. And that routine begins to develop in your life because you are going after the third reality of that habit, and that is a reward. So think about that for just a moment, all right? You've got a cue, you've got a routine, and then you also have a reward. Now, the reason that I bring that up to you this morning is simply because. We know that every single person is born into this world. Look at me eyeball to eyeball for a second. All right, I'm preaching up here. Y'all with me say yes? All right, very good. Uh, What I want you to see is that every single person born into this world actually is born with the same kind of craving. All right, every single one of us have this dissatisfaction on the inside. We've got this itch that we cannot scratch. All right? We've got this emptiness that we cannot feel. And so what we do is we create routines in our lives. So that we might be able to ultimately try to go after the exact same reward, every one of us. And that reward is some sort of significance, some sort of self-fulfillment, some sort of joy or even peace. But we're all after the exact same thing. Now, what I have discovered studying 1 John is that we all have the same craving, we all are seeking after the same reward, but the question is, what routines are we sandwiching between the cue and the reward? Now, what we saw last week is that God has a routine or a pit plan for our lives, a personal improvement plan for every single one of us. So I would pretty much classify that as a routine. And just to kind of refresh your memory, John wrote about spiritual maturity. He wrote about it saying that there were children in the faith these were individuals who had experienced absolute dependence upon Jesus so they don't think that they're being saved by their good works or by going to church or by being baptized they have realized that they are sinners before a holy God they deserve uh, death and damnation judgment for their sin but they are overwhelmed by the cross at Calvary because Jesus died there for them Uh, he was buried and resurrected and so they absolutely depend upon Jesus for the salvation of their soul. That's the first step in spiritual maturity. And then you move into the young men category as you grow and develop. And we call that the spiritual development phase. This is the place where you begin to grow in your understanding of God's Word. But you're not simply understanding it on an intellectual basis, but you're actually seeking to apply what God's Word teaches. So those who love Jesus obey His commands. He has commanded you and I to love one another. And so as we mature and we walk in the Word, we actually discover that our love not only for God grows, but also our love for one another. And then the third level of spiritual maturity, we call those fathers because that's what John calls them in 1 John. And fathers are individuals who take responsibility. Fathers are individuals who influence others. And in this case, a father has a deep, intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ. So he not only knows Jesus as God in the flesh, but he has come to understand the eternality of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, John was a father in the faith, and he influenced dynamically two sets of people, and that really was what we categorized that third phase as, dynamic influence. He influenced those who were outside of the faith, inviting people who are far from God to come into a relationship with God, and then he also influenced those who were walking in the faith who needed to mature. So he was investing in the lives even of believers. Now check this out. Are y'all listening say yes? All right, so you've got this craving on the inside, and God God has prepared a system of routines for your life to be involved in. Absolute dependence upon Jesus spiritual development through discipline and also uh, as a father becoming a dynamic influence And as you get involved in these routines Giving yourself away which I find to be pretty interesting, but you're giving yourself away to Christ You're giving yourself away to others in service. That is where you actually find Fulfillment in life and significance in fact that is where you find peace that is where you find joy That is where you find all that God has created you to be and to do. So listen, God created you. God knows you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And when you get involved in the routine that he has developed, you'll be shocked at how he uses you on this planet, and you'll be shocked how you experience eternal life right here and right now. Are y'all still with me? Say yes. All right, now here's what I need you to know this morning. The devil has another pit plan. The devil is a deceiver and a liar. And so the devil has actually created a list of routines, which I find interesting because uh, John describes this maturity process using those three levels, children, young men, and fathers. But he is also going to describe the world system using three indicators. And we're going to, I told y'all I had two circles. Y'all with me on that? So you're going to get the second circle this morning. All right? And uh, hopefully nobody will come up to me after service like they did last week and said, Levi, you misspelled like four words on that board. All right? Don't judge me. All right? Don't uh, don't judge me. But we're going to have a great time with it. So y'all ready to see how the enemy works? All right. So that was, y'all ready to see it? All right. So y'all ready? I'm looking at you red all right all right let's stand to our feet first John chapter 2 beginning in verse 15 all right verse 15 the Bible says uh, do not love the world nor the things of this world now look at me I to eyeball I for just a second the word world there's not talking about the globe it's actually talking about the world system all right the world's way of thinking the world's world's way of doing things and as we'll see in just a moment the God of this world system is the devil So he has created this system, and John says, hey, don't love it. Now, keep reading here. He says, if anyone does love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father. Now, notice again, all right, those three little statements there. There it is. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. It's amazing when you study the Bible. Uh, I mean, I've been studying it for years. And every time I study it, I feel like I'm learning something new. But here you've got these three phases of spiritual maturity. And now you've got these three realities in the context of the world system. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life. And he says here, it is not from the Father. That's God. But it is from the world. It's system. And then verse 17, I like this one. The world system is passing away. And also it's lust. But the one who does, the will of God, lives forever. Now look at me real quick, all right? The will of God, what is that? That speaks about the purpose, the plan, and the pleasure of God. And we've already seen how John has described this spiritual maturity process. So is that God's will? Yes. It's God's will for you to absolutely depend upon Christ, to be spiritually developed. It is God's will for you to dynamically influence other people in your life. That's what God desires. And we should be involved in that routine. Can I get a witness on that every once in a while? All right, so let's pray as we dive into this. Father, in the name of Jesus, put your hand upon this message. And God, I know that there are some tough spots in this uh, message. So, Father, I just pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would enable me to deliver the words that you so desire. And God, how I pray that you would transform us today. And God, for those who are involved in the world system, and maybe they don't even know it, they're just here today, but they have no clue that they didn't genuinely know God the Father. Lord, I pray that you would, I mean, cause their hearts to beat out of their chest until they make a decision, a true one, to follow hard after you. God, I also pray for those this morning who are disciples, who are followers of you, but Lord, for some reason or another, they have begun to be pressured into the world's way of thinking and living. Maybe they've got a foot inside one of these realms, the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. God, make that clear. Lord, only you can do that, and so I'm trusting you to do it this morning. And that's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. So go ahead and be seated, all right? So remember, because you got to kind of keep this in your mind, the cue or the craving is emptiness. What you uh, have as a routine determines the reward that you will receive, but we're all going for the same reward. So we've talked about how God wants you to put the routine of his pit plan into your life, but Satan also wants to give you a routine. So there are three phases to this one. Let me go ahead and begin to write them up here, all right? The first phase, and you've got this in your listening guide, so just write it on the very top of the circle that you received when you came in. It's undocked. Living, Undocked living. And uh, living. Y'all with me hooked on phonics up here, all right? God bless all of you. Undocked living. And the key word here really is the word feelings. Feelings, all right? Now, John describes it like this. He says, the world is passing away, and so is the lust of the flesh. Now, the word lust in and of itself, believe it or not, is not always a negative term. In fact, uh, you discover that God has placed lust or cravings on the inside of us that are actually good for us. I mean, we have the craving uh, for, to eat something so we get hungry, right? If we didn't have that craving, we wouldn't eat, we'd starve, we'd die. We have the craving of thirst. If we didn't have that, we'd dehydrate and we would die. So God gives us cravings that are actually good, but the enemy has come along and he has perverted our cravings. These are the lust of the flesh. Now, the word flesh here is not talking simply about your body, but it's talking about these internal desires to give yourself over to things that are outside the parameters of God's pit plan for your life. He wants you to step outside of God's will. He wants you to fulfill whatever lust that you have in the flesh. And the reason I give you the key word feelings there is because that's what drives the lust of the flesh. So it's kind of like whatever feels good is what I'm going to do. So we are driven by our feelings. Now the imagery that came to my mind when I was studying this, and I want you to put this in your mind as well, all right? A very tiny boat. Y'all got that so far, say yes. All right, so you've got a tiny boat out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Y'all see it there? It's all by itself, nothing around. It is sitting there, and the winds and the waves are overwhelming the boat. It is not docked to anything. And so wherever the winds and the waves go, that's the way the boat goes. If it pushes north, the boat goes north. If it pushes south, it goes south. Now the reason that that imagery came to my mind is because that's what I thought about when I considered a person who is walking by the lust of the flesh. You are like a tiny boat in the Pacific Ocean of your own lust and your own cravings. And your lust, your feelings are actually telling you what to do, and you're listening. Uh, Think about it. That's why a husband may wake up one day and say, I don't feel like I love her anymore. Whenever you are driven by the lust of the flesh, you never fulfill the will of God for your life. Now listen, I want you to hear this very quickly, all right? because the idea of lust of the flesh, believe it or not, it actually means unbridled sexual desire. Unbridled. Think about that. The, the, The imagery there is of a horse that is just wild. That's what lust of the flesh is. It's unbridled sexual desire. Now that's a specific reference, but it's broader in its context, but specifically, that's what he's talking about. Now it is amazing to know some of the statistics in the context of ministry and even the church. Those individuals who are involved in ministry, I heard just yesterday that some 23% of men who are on staff in churches across America have actually confessed to this survey that they have been involved in an inappropriate relationship with somebody in the church. Are y'all listening to say yes? 23%. Now, I'm thinking if that is uh, what the pastors are doing, it's no wonder the presence and power of God doesn't show up in the church. But I also know when we begin to consider the church at large, and even as we begin to consider the church locally right here at Concord, that the enemy is on the attack. He's attacking men. He's attacking women. Now, I never thought that I would have to say something like this from the pulpit to the church, but I'm going to say something. I want you to look at me eyeball to eyeball. Are you all with me? Say yes. If you are a man, you cannot have sex with somebody who's not your wife. That is unholy, unbiblical, and way outside of the parameters of God's purpose, plan, and pleasure for your life. So that's just unbiblical. That is sin before a holy God. And listen, oftentimes we think that it's really just the men who have the problem, but it's not. There are women who also have the same exact issue and problem. They are flirting, finding other men who are not their husband. And they're involved in illicit affairs. And this is happening in the church. So I say that to warn you. Uh, Some of you men are about this close with your flirting to falling into a hole that you think is going to bring great fulfillment when in fact you're going to be in a pit, bro. And so what I'm trying to do is just encourage some of you ladies. You're that close. You're allowing your flesh, your feelings, to determine your actions. And listen, if you get caught up in this, man, I'm just trying to encourage you, trying to help you, trying to show you sin will tie you up. So don't get tied up. You know, I preach on this, and I begin to think to myself that uh, the bottom line is people just need to repent of sin. That means run from it. Paul told Timothy, flee from sexual immorality. Flee. Fuego in the Greek New Testament. It's the English word uh, derivative of fugitive. Think about that for a moment. When you come to faith in Jesus, you become a fugitive from sexual immorality. That means every man and woman in here who knows Jesus ought to run like somebody's out to get them. When it comes to this idea of the lust of the flesh, it's undocked living. Y'all ready for number two? Yeah. I can tell y'all love number one. This is what we will jot down as careless thinking. All right, careless thinking. Uh, the key word here will be short-sighted. Trust me, that says short-sighted. Are y'all with me to say yes? Amen. He saw it. God bless you. Now, this is lust of the eyes. Again, the word lust means the same thing as it means with lust of the flesh. It means a craving or an internal desire that is unholy in this particular context. And lust of the eyes means those things that you look at drive you away. Uh, I love what uh, the New American commentator said like this. He says, our eyes are often the means by which sinful desires are introduced into the mind of an individual. Uh, That's why I say here that it's careless thinking. Uh, Jesus says, and listen closely to what he says, all right? If a man looks, that's your eyes, if he looks at a woman with lust in his heart, it's considered adultery already. Now, where did that adultery uh, occur? It occurred in the mind. And you not only cheated on your wife, you cheated on God. So lust of the eyes is a big deal, all right? the enemy and this world system is designed to capture your eyelids and to draw you into sin. That's what the whole world system is seeking to do. See, lust of the flesh says, uh, I want my way. Lust of the eye says, I want every single thing that I see, and this careless thinking literally Means that you begin to make decisions. Listen to this you begin to make decisions without any consideration of the consequences of those decisions. Short sighted, careless thinking. And by the way, the Bible teaches as a man thinks, so is he. So whatever you got going on in your brain, sir or ma'am, eventually is going to come out in your life. I think of Jacob and Esau in this particular study Esau and Jacob y'all remember them there in the Old Testament and Esau was out in the field He was hunting because he was a hunter. Uh, His brother Jacob wasn't a hunter. He was at the house making some stew But uh, Esau didn't kill anything. So he's starving He shows up to his house. He walks in and he sees the stew so uh, His eyes are captivated His flesh is inflamed. He's starving and hungry Jacob looks at him and says, uh, Esau, you're not you when you're hungry. <laughs> let it go, let it go, let it go all the way out, to the back, to the back. Right. So then what does Jacob do? He's a deceiver. So he says, uh, I'll tell you what, Esau, Well, I will give you this stew, if you will, in exchange, give me your birthright. So think about this. Esau had the birthright. The birthright was a big deal in a patriarchal society because the birthright spoke of the blessing that was going to be handed down from the father to that individual. So there was great blessing in the future for Esau because of this birthright. But he was so consumed that he made a careless decision because his mind did not consider the consequences of giving in. This is what happens in marriages. This is what happens in the workplace. When somebody begins to look around, or even in a marriage, somebody looks and says, You know what? I think I'd rather be married to her. I think I'd rather be with him. I, I find them extremely attractive. And, uh, you know, my spouse really just ain't getting it done for me anymore. And so our eyes are captivated. And then we begin to make decisions without any consequence of what is it going to do to my wife or what is it going to do to my husband if I make this decision? What is it going to do to my children if I make this decision? What is it going to do to the church if I make this decision? What is it going to do to the reputation of God if I make this decision? And I will say uh as clearly as I possibly can that uh, the enemy is on the attack of the church at large and locally and the enemy is attacking like crazy in this area the lust of the eyes there are men who will be in church today sitting in services just like you're sitting in who every single day are staring at pornography. They've got their little iPhones, they've got their little iPads, they've got their computers and laptops at the house, and it seems when the lights go down and your wife is in the bed and the kids are all away, that is the opportune time for the enemy to begin to whisper in your ear, man, you need to look at some stuff. Check it out. Ain't nobody around. Delete the history. It ain't a big deal. Listen, the enemy always wraps his lies in the statement, it ain't a big deal. And, and look at me eyeball to eyeball, because I'm, I'm trying to preach here this morning, all right? Some of you men and women are caught up in this pornography. And like, there's got to be some sort of a crisis uh, for you to, repent there's got to be some sort of recognition this is sin before god so you might turn and listen it is affecting every single area of your life that's why you don't look at your wife like you used to that's why you don't look at your husband like you used to that's why you come to worship but you can't worship Because your eyes are so consumed with what you've been staring at this morning and last night. Lust of the eyes. Careless thinking. Short-sighted. That's how the enemy works. Which moves us now to our third phase. And we'll call this continual or constant bragging. John describes it here as the boastful pride of life. Key word here is the word appearance. Y'all listening to me? Y'all don't like me anymore. I'm still your friends. Y'all are like, man, I lost an hour and the preacher's hollering at me. You know what I'm saying? Good. Good. Now, I could get up here and be a pansy about the whole thing and pet y'all while you sin. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all ready for number three? (laughs) Constant bragging appearance, boastful pride of life. This is, and this is wild, right? This is the inner desire to appear more important than other people. And this shows up all over the place, man. All over the place. Listen to this. A commentator said it like this. In this area, individuals make idols of their livelihood, idols of their social standing, and any other status symbol that the world determines is important but matters little to the Lord. This describes a person who is dead set on outshining everybody else. This is the person who won't leave the house unless they've got a certain name brand of clothing on. This is the person who won't let their kids wear a certain type of clothing because it doesn't have the most popular name brand, appearance. This is the person who brags about where they live, invites people over to their house just so they can show everything, off. Oh, check this out. Check out what I've got here. Did you see this? Have I shown you this? This is the person who brags and elevates their standing in their job. They brag about how much money they make. They brag about all their vacations. They use Facebook so that they can appear to be outshining every other family in the neighborhood. This is also the people who, who, now check this out, they want to outshine other people even with their kids. So they make their children idols, they elevate their children as status symbols. Listen, be careful when you go to ball games that you are cheering for your kid's first name and not his last name. Because it ain't about you. The entire goal of a person's life who's caught up in this constant bragging is to appear they've got it going on. Here's kind of what came to my mind when I was studying this. Are y'all listening? Say yes. We think when we are involved in this that life is a parade and we are the only float. And everybody just showed up to watch you pass by. Are y'all listening? My word. Time run by when you're preaching. All right? Remember this, all right? You got a craving, an internal desire. You got this emptiness. You want to fill it. And every single person is born into this world system. And every single person who doesn't have a relationship with God that is genuine thinks That if he does what feels right, then he's going to be fulfilled. If he grabs hold of what he can see, he's going to be fulfilled. If he can have more things than everybody else, that he's going to be fulfilled. And the enemy deceives you. And the enemy wants you to think that at the end of the rainbow of his routine is a pot full of self-fulfillment. But once you get there and look inside, you find out he was lying. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. (laughs) Y'all help me out. I'm preaching up here now. Now, look at verse 15, because I want you to see this. He says, do not love the world. Look at the preacher for a second. Here's what he's getting at. Do not devote yourself to this routine. To this system and then he goes on and says if anyone loves the world if anyone is devoted to this system the love of the father is not in him now look at my eyeballs for a second you know what this is saying this is saying you can be in church all you want but if you are devoted to this world system you do not know God If you can live in this and there is no sense of misery and a disconnect with fellowship with the Lord, then you aren't saved, man. Look at verse 17. The world is passing away. Listen to this. You know what that means? Because I love that phrase. Passing away means it's going out the door. It's going off the scene. The world system. This right here is passing away. It's headed out the door. Which, by the way, we're going to see in a few weeks. The reason it's headed out the door is because Jesus' is coming. I can't wait to get on that one. But then he goes here and he says, and the one, or I'm sorry, and also its lust is passing away. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Now I love this. The one who does the will of God lives forever. Ever Think about it, right? I wish I had another pad up here. I draw the other circle But you've got that in your mind, right? You got two circles in your mind. You got Satan's deceptive Personal improvement plan. He's like if you live like this man, I'm gonna reward you You're gonna have such satisfaction in life, and then you've got God's pit plan He's like whenever you come to faith in me and you begin to live out this routine That's where you find fulfillment uh, the one who wants to find life gives his life away Are y'all listening? Say yeah. Because I want you to listen to what Paul says to the Romans. And listen to it in light of these two circles, all right? I'm going to read to you Eugene's paraphrase, but listen to this. This is awesome. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Wow. (laughs) Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you. What does he want from you? He wants absolute dependence. He wants spiritual development. He wants dynamic influence. That's what he wants. And quickly respond to that. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Had a professor in seminary. here's how he used to tell us uh, this statement. I used to love it and uh, still do. He says, "Don't let the world pressure you into its mold." That's the world system. That's how the world works right there. Don't let that press you into its mold. Can't you see now Jesus standing and preaching, and if you've got those two circles in your mind, Jesus would say, "Hey, broad is the way that leads to destruction." There's a lot of people who find that way. But narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and only a few find it, a few. Some of you this morning, you are caught up in this world system because you've never gotten out of it. You've not been rescued. That's why God's not really that big of a deal to you. That's why worship really ain't that big of a deal. You give and take. Worship depends on what's going on, whether or not you'll show up to corporately be with the body as God commands. That's why you don't give generously because, man, you, well, I'm going to keep this because I want to buy this other thing. That's why you've got all these other attitudes. In life. It's because you don't really know the Lord. And this idea of church and Jesus is just an extracurricular activity. If it works out on your schedule, fine. But if it doesn't, i got better things to do. And listen, if you can take it or leave it, you will leave it every single time. And so if that's your lifestyle, man, then you're lost. You don't know the Lord. The love of the Father is not in you. Because when the love of the Father gets inside of you, you start hating the things that God hates and loving the things that God loves. It changes your heart. Some of you are in the darkness and you just need to come into the light this morning. Every person is born into this system and the only way you're getting into God's system is through Jesus, his son. That's why Jesus says in John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God the Father but through me. That's it, that's it, that's it. Jesus is not a good way to God. He's the only way to God. So if you don't come to Christ, you're not come. And then some of you are in Y'all listening, say yeah? I'm moving this out of my way so I can really get my hands out of here, all right? Some of you are in church, and you know Christ, but you are walking out of fellowship with God because you've got your feet stuck in some of these routines. And we, are, we listen, we call out for revival. We want God to pour out a... I mean a Holy Spirit anointing on this place so that people might be saved and marriages might be changed and families might be revolutionized for the sake of Jesus Christ. That's what we call out for. But we cannot have it if we've got our feet over here. Y'all listening? So so what do we need to do? Y'all ever heard of a come to Jesus meeting before? We use that sometimes. Joking around right. We're like well, I talked to my son the other day. We had to come to Jesus me That's what we're gonna have right now Come to Jesus me I can tell y'all scared about it too I'm gonna invite you for this invitation To all of you if you are physically able get out here in an altar and pray And confess your sin before God. You're like, good, I ain't never come back to this church again. That'd be all right. I still got to encourage you to confess your sin before God. And if you're sitting out there saying, well, I ain't got no sin, you need to reread 1 John. So that's what I'm going to encourage you to do. So in a moment, we're going to stand our feet. You're going to come forward. You're going to confess. And here's what I want you to confess. Look at the preacher eyeball to eyeball. For some of you, you're caught up in lust of flesh. You're about that close to falling into immorality. And you, need a better, you better start repenting, bro, quick. Quick. And some of you are caught up in stuff you're looking at that you shouldn't be looking at. It may not be online. It may be in the office. It may be down at the work site. It may be where you go to school, but your eyes are captivated. You need to repent of that stuff, man. And some of you, you've just been living life because you think you got it going on and trying to point everybody, look at you, look at me, look at me. You need to repent of that. Y'all all right? Well, let's do it then. Let's stand to our feet. I'm inviting you to come right now, find a place here in the altar. Every single person ought to be coming. If you're physically able, you find a place. I'll lead you through a prayer. But as you kneel, you just start praying, asking God to wash over you. And you claim that verse. If anyone confesses their sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it is the blood of Jesus that continually covers us. What do you need to confess? What's standing in between you and the Lord? Have you begun to allow your feelings instead of your faith to determine your direction in life? Are your eyes causing you to think ungodly? And are you making arrangements for your eyes so they can see things you know you shouldn't be seeing? Confess that to the Lord, lay it at His feet. Don't just name it and pick it back up and walk out. Name it and leave it. I feel like maybe you've put some idols up in your life. I mean, you, you've got this idea of, I don't know, elevating your livelihood, and you're trying to show out with that. Or maybe, you, maybe you've turned your kids into your little gods. And you're trying to get everybody to stare at them. We've got to pray for one another. We've got to do it, man, we've got to pray for our fellowship. I can't stand seeing I can't stand staying up at night all ticked off at what the devil's doing in the lives of so many people in our church. We've got to pray against that. So let me get you to do this. Just put a hand on the person in front of you. Go ahead, if nobody's in front of you, put a hand on the person to the side of you. You may know them, you may not know them, but you're going to pray for them right now, all right? So just lift them up to the Lord, asking God to work in their lives, to draw them close to himself. bowed your eyes closed. Some of you are in the world system and you've not come to Jesus yet. Listen, I've already told you, you can come. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus died for you because of all the sin you'd commit in this world system. He paid for your sin before you were ever born. So so what's wild about that is you can't sit out there and say, well, I'm just too bad, man. There's no way the Lord would take me. He knew everything you was going to do. And he still sent Jesus to die for you. He was buried and resurrected. And listen, when you come into a genuine relationship with him, he changes your life. He changes your perspective, the way of thinking, your way of living. Some of you need that this morning. So if that's you, then right there where you are, just call out to the Lord. Ask him to save you. Give you a new life. Tell him you want to be his child. just a moment we'll start singing and stand to our feet if you just gave your heart to Jesus first step of obedience is baptism so if you meant business with God you'll be quick to obey what Jesus has commanded and the first commandments to be baptized we're celebrating that next service I'm gonna invite you to come forward or just stay down here in the front in just a second just tell me be like Levi I gave my life to Jesus today I need to be baptized uh, we will set you up a time very soon for that to occur or God may be calling you to join this church body You're like, I want to partner with these people. Get involved. If that's you, you come this morning. Father, the invitation is yours. The prayer time is yours. The church is yours. We are yours. So we just ask you to do whatever you need to do to grab hold our attention and be glorified. And that's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen.